first overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft belongs to the Edmonton Oilers. Hockey fans, and welcome to the podcast. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and along with the Buffalo Kid, Tom Cudahy. As usual, this is Mark Warner. Tonight is going to be our 2015 NHL Draft Preview. Season is over. Chicago Blackhawks, 2015 Stanley Cup champions. Really actually a closer series than Hawks and Six would lead a lot of people to believe. Almost uh, reminiscent of Rangers-Penguins in round one, where you could look, you could look at it and say, oh, Rangers in five, la, la, la. Every game was in overtime. Uh, very easily could have went either way in that series with a little puck luck for Pittsburgh. And probably the same thing can be said about the Stanley Cup final because Tampa Bay Lightning, if at the very least, was a very game opponent for the suddenly dynastic Chicago Blackhawks. Tom, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. We are going to be welcoming in a special guest this evening. Uh, he writes for thehockeywriters.com. Also does a blog at getrealhockey.com, covering the New York Islanders, among other hockey topics. The Isles. Uh, New York, New York Islanders. I, we, I got actually want to let him get it, get a little bit of the uh, New York Islanders hockey talk here, at, here either at the start or after we look at the draft. Um, I got a lot of questions about how they're moving, and I believe he is in Long Island, so that's going to be some good insight into the the future of that franchise. Uh, yeah, I, I want to ask him: Is the banners in the rafters there at the um, Nassau Coliseum? Is that property of New York or could they move those over to Brooklyn? I'm going to say if if Nassau Coliseum wants to keep them that uh, pretty <laughs> sure pretty sure there's going to be some form of those moving along with Mr. Wang and the New York Hockey Islanders into the new arena into the new arena in Brooklyn, sir. That yeah, is, that, that's, that is that is that. NHL history right there. It's not yeah. not being left off the truck, sir. They might have to just redo new ones. I think. I don't know. You could. You could. Uh, the real sticklers down there, Mark. You guys know more about that than I do. But uh, without further ado, let me bring in our guest this evening, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me on the show. Uh, really looking forward to talking to uh, NHL draft, and this uh, is uh, one incredible draft coming up. One uh, one of the better ones in, in quite some time, which is saying something. Yeah, no question. We're honored. We're honored to have a true professional with us, breaking down video. It, it is honored to, uh, that you can have us. Yeah, again, again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Chris Lisa with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I've he's I've already introduced him a little bit, but let's uh, let's go ahead and redo this. Uh, he he's one of the lead contributors at GetRealHockey.com, uh, covering all NHL topics. He just got picked up on thehockeywriters.com uh, as the lead New York Islanders contributor. He is based in Long Island, and he has participated in quite a few mock drafts already, which is why we reached out to him to have him on the show. As, as is well documented, me and Tom are just a couple of airheads here talking hockey, and uh, we're just trying to have a good time. Uh, the, uh, the franchise that 
I'm going to say will be coming to Las Vegas here in the near future. Uh, we're both lifelong hockey fans, obviously the Buffalo kid in Buffalo, New York, and I'm the I'm the oddball Southwest born in Phoenix, raised in Los Angeles hockey fan. Grew up watching the Triple Crown line and Roby Vachon, and and then the 1980 Olympic hockey team really sealed the deal for me. So that's a little bit about us and the background. Since the New York Islanders do not have a pick in. And we're, we're going to stop this uh, NHL draft preview 2015 version at pick number 14 with the Boston Bruins, the end of the line for the lottery teams. But since Chris is the, the lead hockey writer for the New York Islanders there at the Hockey Writers, I wanted to get Chris's opinion on the move that's coming up. What I haven't heard yet, and maybe since you're local, you have a little better insight than, than what I'm hearing. Will there be any rebranding of the team as they move off the Islanders, as the Islanders' name seems to be a little obsolete as they move into Brooklyn? No, um, uh, you know, obviously that brand recognition uh, with the fans is very important, rightfully so. The, the Islanders, uh, it's been announced, only, at least as of now, that they will be keeping their team name. Uh, they will be called the New York Islanders, so it's not going to be the Brooklyn Islanders. Uh, and uh, they're keeping their colors, the logo, all that will uh, remain the same. At least for the time being. Yeah, um, no, I feel very strongly about that. I mean, anything is possible. But I, I would be, you know, uh, as you guys know, hockey fans are very, you know, hardcore fans. And changing the name, I mean, especially the name uh, uh, the Islanders, uh, the fact that you know they're rooted from Long Island, which is where the name comes from. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I would be beyond. Uh, I'd be shocked if that would ever uh, change because that's very important to the fan base. It's who the franchise is, and um, uh, even though you know Brooklyn is you know more you know New York City, if you will, or close to New York City, it, it, it's really uh, you know it's really a stone's throw from Long Island. So uh, in terms of Nassau County, so. <laughs> Do you, do you think they're going to bring back the Fisherman Hortons jerseys just for the Brooklyn move? <laughs> no, God, no. Uh, <laughs> it, was bad, it, was bad, it was bad enough this past year. The Islanders at different points wore all different jerseys, uh, I guess, to honor because it was the last year at the Coliseum. And they actually did wear the Fisherman logo jersey, but only for one game during warm-ups. Why, I have no idea. But, uh, <laughs> no, that, was, uh, that was not one of the finer moments for the uh, Islander faithful to go through. I, lo- I love that you know that, and I'm, I'm upset with myself that I missed that. That's wow. so cool. They wore, them, they wore them in the pregame. That's awesome. Yeah, they wore them in the pregame. I, I, I guess they maybe felt they could sell a few more jerseys. I have no <laughs> idea. I remember reading a quote from Casparitis. Uh, the year, you know, those jerseys were worn, and uh, a media guy asked him, like, oh, this is the last year we're going to wear them, and Casparitis goes, good, we look like idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely had a, a, a very low-level, low you know, one of those kind of EHL hockey deal uh, things to it, but yeah. Now, yeah. again, the people who were running the franchise at that point in time were uh, really... Uh, or we weren't in the best footing at that point. But uh, everyone's excited. There's, uh, you know, uh, everyone was disappointed with the season, how it ended in terms of because it was the last year at the National Coliseum, they wanted the ride. No one was under the illusion that, you know, the Islanders were going to win the Stanley Cup. 
but uh, everyone was just hoping to squeeze as much as possible out of the orange this year. But when it ended, it was go ahead. It was a bit of a bit of pill. But uh, there's a you know it's a really young team. Uh, you know they have a lot. Of they I wrote an article recently at the Hockey Writers. They have another wave of at least five guys to be beyond extremely excited about coming on top of what they have now, and they will be coming soon. Uh, and on top of that, uh, they have a lot of capital, so they have flexibility to make moves, and from what I'm hearing, they will be aggressive this offseason. Um, keep an eye out for Patrick Sharp. The Islanders made a deal last year with Blackhawks. Nick Letty, uh, they, they, you know, they, the Blackhawks know the Islanders' system from those trade talks, I think, pretty well. That is a guy who would be a perfect fit for the Islanders. Uh, put on a line with John Tavares. Uh, he's 33 years old, still has a lot of hockey left in him, and, you know, he's a, you know, three-time Stanley Cup winner. So, yeah. he, and he's, you know, got a great attitude. Nice, so, nice I'd watch out. Actually. A little, little rumor for you right there. To keep it. an eye out. I love it. that. Pat Shaw, he didn't have the best finals, uh, he, the, but... I mean, a guy with that pedigree coming into that locker room would be a fantastic thing. And actually, Tom and I, we did our, our uh, Eastern Conference preview. We had the Islanders moving past round one. And if they hadn't taken the injuries to their I, I did not, sir. You did not? I did not, sir. I, I apologize. No. I did not mean to misspeak. I did have the Islanders. I, I had the Islanders moving past into the second round because I was looking for the Rangers-Islanders matchup. That would have been a fantastic uh, way to send that off. So I apologize. Do you I apologize, I, sir. You remember my reasoning because that was that was technically year nine of the Millberry. Mm. So now I said I said ten, ten years, years damage. Millberry did yes. So now Absolutely. next year the Islanders the Islanders are going to go to the Cup next year. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what's ironic about that series is all the Islanders fans going in were worried about okay oh, defensively are we going to hold up with our team defense are we going to hold up in terms of the amount of goals we give up. How will Halak be in, in the playoffs? And in the end, they held the count. They held Ovechkin, you know, pretty Absolutely. much in check. I mean, he had some moments. And I think the Islanders only gave up 16 goals in seven games, I believe. That's fantastic. So it was they couldn't they you know they couldn't get enough pucks past uh, Holpe. So I believe, that? if memory serves correct, they only scored 15 goals in that series. Actually, the series was the difference was one goal, and. Um, uh, I believe two of the Islanders' 15 goals were empty netters, so they they did struggle ironically scoring goals, which uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that was going to be the um, thing that's going to hold them back. But the Capitals were uh, you know tough adversary. They should have beat the Rangers, quite frankly. Yeah, I think they should have too. One of the one of the strengths that I saw in the Islanders, and one of the reasons I picked them to go past the Caps was the the defense. Uh, when you got Le- Nick Letty and you got Boychuk, you brought in the championship pedigree that uh, you have to have on the blue line. And then you've got a real good young puck mover there in Thomas Hickey. And the – oh, it's killing me. Is it Lubomir Vishnowski that got actually got injured? Yeah, 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 he got hurt during the series. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and that, that changes up every, everybody's rotation. Uh, if you if you guys stay set on your rotation and Visnowski doesn't get hurt, I think they do advance past Washington. 
Yeah, well, like I said, it'll be a great learning experience for them. They played really well in the series. I mean, look at the Lightning this year. I mean, the Lightning, you know, had a terrible last year, had a terrible first-round series, got swept by Montreal, you know, and, you know, a year later, uh, with a great young core, they got to the cup final or two games away. Uh, so I, you know, envision the Islanders uh, with the possibility uh, we'll have to see what they do this offseason, and it sounds like you could see one to two ads. Like, in a perfect world, uh, again, landing, let's say, a Patrick Shaw, and maybe a, a solid veteran defenseman so they wouldn't have to have so much pressure on some of these young kids who are just about ready, and Griffin Reinhardt and uh, Ryan Pulak, two of the top you know, prospects in the sport. So, right. uh, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. They have plenty of cap room, and... Uh, and keep in mind, they're moving into a new arena. Teams like the when they knew it's moving to a new building, really, you know, take off. And uh, they have new ownership, uh, so they don't want to make a splash, too. Yeah, I like that. The, the, key, the, key question is, the key question is, do the Islanders re-sign Eric Bolton? <laughs> yeah, they've had a love of deal with him for some reason. Uh, he's the great extra guy to have. I mean, you have a 23-man roster, and he's the 23rd guy. But um, uh, he's been on the team for last two or three years. He's about 20 games. He's, but I tell you what, in the right matchup, he's a good guy to have because he is a physical uh, physical player. Although they have plenty of physicality on that team between uh, Martin and Clutterbuck. We, uh, back to the series, we, we thought when uh, Wilson of the Capitals was running everyone, Mm. And, um, you know, taking out the defenseman there that we talked about. And uh, no one did anything. And then, uh, you you would know, the Islanders, uh, you know, dropped gloves with Wilson there, and he got his head caved in. Was that the turning point in the series, or you don't think so? No, I, I think, when, again, what I go back to is, I think when you go back and look at the series, and look at the, I mean, first of all, the, Pretty much every game was a one-goal game, uh, if memory serves correct. It might have been a game where, where it wasn't a one-goal game during an sure. And I think when you, if you the Islanders, when you look back at that series, what killed them, and again, I'm just going based on memory here, they did not score a power play goal in that series, and I believe they went something like 0 for 15 or 0 for 16. And when you, got, when you get to the playoffs, specialty teams are critical. Man, it's very hard to score goals, and hope and hope he played great. I mean, I got to give, I got to give Hopey a lot of credit. He he played he played great, not only great in that series, he played great against the Rangers. So um, that to me was you know um, was the difference. It was one game. Absolutely, and it's amazing because on paper the Islanders should be displaying it on the power play. You would think. Yeah, the power play was inconsistent last year. At times it was really good, and at other times it was a bit off. So that would be something interesting to watch too. Is uh, you know, with their with that move, uh, potential move in the offseason, is that something they're going to look at in terms of improving their power play, uh, the people they uh, potentially could bring on? Well, Patrick sure. would certainly help in that respect. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Go ahead, Tom. No, I have, no, absolutely, yeah. Sharp, Sharpie would definitely uh, help out the cause. But then again, you know, yeah, great the star is never good with Vanek, so, you know. It's, no, it's, yeah, it's going to come down to Boston. Yeah, it'll come down to Boston, 
And one would think, although I did read a report today on the web that the Hawks initially are asking for the sun, moon, and stars for Patrick Sharp, which is what always happens when it. But I would think, based on uh, the Hawks, who are probably in the worst position camp-wise, the and they have to really make a lot of move, make a few moves. That there's no way. I mean, Sharp and his five point nine million dollar cap hit will be moved for certain. But there will be interested. There are other teams that will be interested besides the Islanders. I, I've heard Nashville. I've heard Washington. Uh, I think Pittsburgh has a possibility as well. So there will be. You know, and it's a, it's going to go to the highest bidder. So. Uh, he signed for two more years. He is 33. Uh, he had a good year last year and a great year. I think he missed about 20 games. So he had about 16 goals. So he, it looked like he had a, a stellar statistical year. But you know, we'll, we'll see. He would be on paper. He would be a, he would be a great uh, fish for the Islanders if they can work out uh, a trade compensation that they can live with. Yep, no question about it. Well. Uh... Let's move on here. This is the oh, one, one second, Mark. Before we go, okay. before we go to the draft, Mark. My apologies. I wanted to ask Chris: Is the banners from Nassau Coliseum are they also going to Brooklyn or Nassau? Nassau County keeps those. How does that work? <laughs> I, I believe the banners will. I, I can't imagine because the banners are owned by the team, so the banners will be in the new building. I don't know. I don't know. The, the Nassau <laughs> County, dude, they've been trying to keep everything that isn't bolted down. Uh, that that could be a scary situation. How about how about they do a uh, like a tower bridge or a London bridge sale, like like uh, Arizona got? They thought they were getting the tower bridge, and they ended up getting the London bridge. Why don't we just leave the oh, I... leave the banners behind, but take the championship <laughs> pennants with us to Brooklyn? I, I, I wanted I wanted to ask Chris one more thing. Uh, I was kidding about the banners thing, but um, it seemed like Mister Wang bent over backwards to keep that team there, and politically and all that. I don't want to get into that, but um, does Mister Wang still own the majority of the team? Uh, like, how does that work? Well, on paper, on paper, when he sold the team last fall, he negotiated that he will have majority control of hockey operations as the owner for last season and then this upcoming season. Oh, okay. And after, at least on paper. Now, sure. Now, do I think it's a you know at the end of the day? When the uh, when the Islanders resign uh, assign extensions to during the season to Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk, more than two new owners, uh, who actually uh, one of which came was a former Capital owner, um, were they consulted them? I'm sure they were, and they were seven year deals. So, sure. but um, you know, Wong is still going to be involved. But after you know, you'll you'll see him kind of take a look. He, look, uh, you know, say what you want about him, but. He did save the franchise. Let's uh, sure. be in Kansas City or Quebec or somewhere else right now. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if he didn't step in, uh, they had a horrible lease deal. Unfortunately, just like a lot of things in this country, and this is why we follow sports because we can, you know, get away from all the nonsense of the world and watch get, get an escape. But that, you know, basically. Uh, infiltrated our, uh, the hockey team out here in Long Island. It didn't get done. It should have got done. It's going to really hurt the Long Island economy, sports uh, aside. Um, so, you know, I think the fans are, 
you know, and if they really wanted the team to stay in Nassau County or even in Suffolk County, it's a little bit of a burden, especially for the people who live in Suffolk County, a little bit of a farther ride or really a train ride now. It's a little bit more inconvenient. But, you know, they're going to be a good team for years to come, and, and uh, you know, the people will come out. And it's a small building. So, uh, you know, capacity is 14,500, which I would imagine is probably the smallest building in the league. So there will be a little bit, you know, a little bit more intimate. That is uh, the smallest matching. building in the league, and I'm surprised to hear that. The, the smallest building in the league right now is in Winnipeg with 15,006 total capacity. Okay. And they're moving the, the building in Brooklyn is less than 15,000 total occupancy for hockey. Yeah, it's four, uh, I believe it's fourteen five. In fact, at wow. one of the wow, ends, that is surprising. I believe, I, I believe at one of the ends of where the goals that the goal will be, there literally will be like no seats behind it. Like, wow, no kidding! That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah, there. Yeah, like the different. That's like the Las Vegas Thunder. You remember when they <laughs> built, when they built the Bark, when they built the Barclays Center, uh, which is also home of the Brooklyn Nets. Right. They did sure. not build it for hockey. Um, they built wow. it exclusively for basketball and concerts and events. So hockey was not, you know, a consideration. You know, wow. so yeah, that's amazing. But they are they are renovating though. the, and they are ironically now going to start renovating the Coliseum, even though we have a no, no sports team, yeah. which just really, <laughs> uh, you know, just shows you where how things work and whatnot. But it's going to be scaled down been a lot of rumors or even even the politicians that are out here saying hey you know maybe the Islanders will come back i and, saw that um, yeah wow they asked, they asked gary bettman they, about that and gary bettman was uh, quite curt in his reply actually <laughs> yeah well the problem with that is the renovated coliseum the plans are why they're doing this i have no idea but their plans are to scale it down to a thirteen thousand seat arena so that Ooh. would be I mean, there's no way the nhl would Sign off on that. That was no way. So, yeah. So, uh, I they were going to move know, the Florida Panthers years. there because then they'd be at capacity, right? No offense, <laughs> yeah. our good friends in Sunrise, yeah, Florida. No offense. That's a podcast for another day. That's a, another franchise. <laughs> yes, it is. Arizona could fill that arena right now. <laughs> anyway. All right. I'm glad we asked. I'm sorry to uh, pull the brakes on this thing, but we want to get through uh, NHL draft. Is that right, sir? Um, yeah, this is the New York oh, Islanders Radio Network, and we're pleased to welcome in Chris Litza for, from the Hockey Writers and the GetRealHockey.com. Uh, actually, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're going to go ahead and kick off our 2015 NHL draft preview. I guess it's not going to be a secret. With the first pick in the NHL draft, the Edmonton Oilers select, Chris? Well, if it's okay, I was going to do the first two picks together. because I, I Absolutely. That would be fine. We, we salute you, sir. <laughs> uh, because I can tell you this. I think there's a greater chance that one of the three of us wins Powerball this weekend than the Oilers not taking McDavid and the Sabres not taking Eichel. That and um, McDavid two, is, two of us live in a state with no Powerball, so that there's probably a real good chance that you're correct on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, McDavid is a you know generational player, the saying, uh, and Eichel is just simply a franchise player. Uh, you know, so um, you know, there's no way that either team would even. Keep I can't even come up with a scenario where either team would consider trading out of that, those spots. 
Uh, everyone is pointing to Edmonton having so many forwards. I think they'll make moves with the other people on their roster, be it if it's a Taylor Hall or Jordan Eberle along those lines. And I think Buffalo's in uh, a great spot with Eichel because I think Eichel's, you know, Eichel's got, you know, again, the tag of a, he's going to be a franchise player. Usually a player like that, a young kid like that, he's going to come into the league, he's going to play in the NHL. Both of them should be playing in the NHL next year. And there's going to be so much pressure on a kid like that but because there's going to be so much talk about McDavid, I thought Eichel will be forgotten. But it will ease the pressure off, off of Eichel, I believe. And, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if Eichel had a better rookie year than McDavid because there's going to be such a focus on McDavid that first year, especially also playing for a Canadian team. Yep. That's a, that's a Absolutely. Really I think, and I think Reinhardt also should be ready, and that could take a little, little heat off Eichel as well. Do you think Eichel goes second line center, yeah, I mean, Reinhardt he, first line center? Is that how that's going to work out, Tom? Uh, uh, yeah, Reinhardt should be ready. Eichel should be ready. So it'd be one, two, right down the middle, and looking good. And yeah. the All Star Gergensen's in the third line. It should be sweet, right? <laughs> the All Star Gergensen, the the leading vote getter in the All Star game last year, Zimgus Gergensen. <laughs> You're well said, sir. Leading vote getter, not Crosby, not Ovechkin. <laughs> Zimbus Gergensen, <laughs> sir. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and Buffalo's in the market for a goaltender. The rumor is Laner from uh, Ottawa is probably going to be coming. Um, I was not a fan, and I am on record as saying that uh, Teddy Nolan hockey is quite a nice brand of hockey to play. But I do like the Danny Bilesma move. Um, they did bring in former L.A. Kings head coach Terry Murray, who brought – a two-way brand of hockey into Los Angeles that we we really had never seen before with the Los Angeles Kings. He he took a supremely gifted Andre Kopitar and made him a 200-foot two-way center, uh, and and all the other kids that came through there under Terry Murray's under Terry Murray's watch. The two Stanley Cups that they've won in the last five years, four years. Um, a big thank you to Terry Murray, and now he joins Danny Bilesma. And was it Dave Barr that also joined that staff, Tom? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was with Corrado in yep. Colorado. Yep. Yeah, he should. Uh, we're, we're looking at teachers here, and, and Coach Murray should be uh, a great teacher on the defensive scheme of things, and uh, it should be good. I think Teddy Nolan. We all love Teddy Nolan. Yeah, he was just a little too hard on the kids. Only Gerson seemed to embrace. The toughness there, and uh, no one else really did. Like Hudson, Patrick, who Coletta. fell off. Yeah, that. Yeah, and um, so yeah, we're moving. We're moving on. We're moving on. Yeah, and wish Teddy Nolan well. Wish Teddy Nolan well. Now, with uh, let me go back up to the number one pick here, Chris. Uh, Peter Chirelli, uh perennial. He he built perennial contender, contenders. Excuse me, in Boston, uh, Stanley Cup champion team. Never really got into the kind of of cap struggles that the Blackhawks have faced every single time that they've won a cup. They've had to jump a little, in players. a little, a little bit though, a little, a bit, little bit, but little not nearly, not bit. nearly to the extent that Chicago has. Yeah, no, uh, they've had some cap troubles. The Bruins Ooh. had some. That's why the Islanders landed Johnny Boychuk because uh, they had some cap true, troubles. True, true. And and Lucy might be walking too here. 
I can tell you this. Oh, the, the, Bruins, the Bruins, not to get off topic, but the Bruins are are at $64 million committed to the cap next year already, and that's without Dougie Hamilton, who's not signed. And the cap is going to come in around 71, right. but uh, and they'll still have to fill out a couple more players after that. So it's going to be a little tight. So because of that, it sounds like there will be a move, maybe a Lucic who's one year away from unrestricted free agency or a Louis Erickson. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of threats. Well, threats probably the wrong word, but uh, conjecture maybe that someone would take a run at Hamilton, yeah, as a restricted free say, agent, yeah. right. and, and uh, you know the Bruins are a little vulnerable with the cap. So, um, but you know, not as bad as the Blackhawks. But again, the reason the Blackhawks have had cap problems is they have uh, they just have too many good players. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. have cap problems, that's the way to go. Um, but, but my point was going to be, now he moves on to Edmonton, what what could be the, I don't like terming people the next anything, but let, let's just say the next, they say, quotes, generational player, and, and McDavid uh, falls in his lap, and he's already got Hall there. Um, he's gone into a pretty good situation. I don't know. It, he, he seems to me to be like the guy who's going to instill – the, the brand of hockey in Edmonton that the Niall Yakupovs and the Riot Nugent Hopkins have been pretty reluctant to embrace and the, the sacrifices that you have to make to play two-way hockey in, you know, maybe some of your numbers come down, but maybe some of your win totals go up. Um, and they brought in the new coach this year. So maybe, and we've said this before with the, I don't know, 14 different number one overall picks they've had in the last two years. But <laughs> yeah. but uh, maybe this is the time where Edmonton starts to, to starts to turn the page and and go back to, and I don't want to say the glory days of old because that's a little bit cliched, but uh, at least come back to respectability, Chris. Do you think, that, do you think that's a valid statement? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to take some time. I know the oil fans don't want to hear this, and being someone who's an Islander fan, I, I trust me. I, I we've just gone through a massive, a long rebuild. No one likes that word. Been there, done that. The yeah, they've been through that. But I look at this team. They do not have a goalie. Uh, they need to get. Uh, they need defensemen. They have a couple in the pipeline, uh, including one of the top ten prospects in the sport, Darnell uh, Nurse, uh, who maybe will be ready by uh, the beginning of the season next year. But they, you know, and they and they're very young, and they've gone through uh, a lot of adversity. So they they do need a lot. They have a lot of young talent. Um, they do need a lot. And then I look at the West, and you know, you know, to get to the playoffs or at least the challenge for the playoffs. You know, what of the eight teams do you see them really challenging uh, in terms of next year? And then on top of that, the the Avalanche, Stars, and Kings. Well, in my opinion, very good teams. Yeah, playoffs last year. Not going so, backwards. So they would have to, teams. right? So, and you know, they're going to come, you know, to try to take that next step. So, you know, I, I thought if I thought if I think if Edmonton next season could be in a position just to challenge 
for a playoff spot, they've had a hell of a year. Yeah, I still you, think you, they're. If you go 9, 10, 11 in Edmonton next year, that's a, I, in my opinion, I agree, that's a fantastic success. Yeah, and then if you could say that, and then for the following season, hey, look, if things break right, we add a piece or two. They also could use a, some veteran leadership. Like the Islanders really benefited, not get back on the Islanders, but as, a, as an example, they really benefited by adding Johnny Boychuk this year. It really no helped that young team. No question. And if Edmonton could find a guy like, you know, a similar type of situation, I'd like, to, I'd like to send Mike back. Richards up there. I'd like to give him Mike Richards. If they could call Dean Lombardi, care of Staples Center, um, if they need some leadership, uh, Mike Richards, great fit. Don't worry about the $8 million salary this year. That's going to go away in a couple years. Uh, you know, 5.75 cap hit, you know, it's really doable. Yeah, just give us a call, Dean Lombardi, care of Staples Center. We'll get you the leadership. The one thing I... <laughs> the one thing I will say about Edmonton to get, make him feel a little bit better is, other than the Ducks, uh, you know, everyone's got a little different issues in that division. So it's not, it's not like the, um, uh, you know, where you have the Blackhawks and the, and the Blues and the Wild and Nashville. So, uh, you know, the division to me is, you know, not, if you're going to rank the division, divisions, it's not one of, I don't want to call it a weak division, but it's not a powerhouse either. So that that will be something going into their favor. But I, I still think I'd be surprised if this time next year Edmonton didn't have a top five pick. Although with the new lottery rule changes, who knows how that's all going to you know how that'll work out. But I, I you know I think it'll be a, a development uh, development year for them. Yeah, no question. Tom, did you want to add anything on the Eichel, the uh, the the U.S. kid there coming to Buffalo? Any, uh, oh, any, no, any I, I, don't think there's much, I, I don't think there's much to add. I, I was telling Chris earlier off the air, you know, he's already breaking down film. Uh, he already picked out his locker. It's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, and by all appearances, he's, he's embracing the Buffalo market. He is, uh, he's, he, he, by all appearances, he's happy to be coming to Buffalo. And oh, lot, yeah. I know a lot of, and you're from Buffalo, and I've known you a long time. Half of being accepted, and maybe more than half, is just a willingness to be in Buffalo as an athlete. I know there's a lot of bad blood over the years of players who, who didn't really fit in in Buffalo. And I, I love the way he is coming into the city. He's embracing it. He's he's already working with Mr. Bilesma there. And it's like positive step forward number one. First step forward is a good look so far for Mr. Eichel. He was already a fan favorite. I, I, forgive me, in the month, it was like February, March, there was a little viral video when he's slamming down a beer, a Bud Light to be specific, slamming <laughs> down a beer, and he goes, I'm coming to you, Buffalo. Right there, he was already a fan favorite. Already, already selling jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, well, looking for good things to come next year. Let's move on. Uh, you know, way smarter people than, than any of us have broke down McDavid and Eichel's, what is it, the VO test and the vertical jump and all that stuff. That's not for us to do. We're having fun. We're talking hockey. We uh, maybe maybe enjoying a cold beverage as we do. Uh, so let's go on. Number three, Arizona Coyotes um, from – I don't want to get too far down the political road, 
Obviously, there's there's unrest in Glendale, but I'd like to keep this strictly strictly on the ice if we can. Um, the, the Arizona Coyotes, they're really and you know as far as ranked skaters, Hannafin's right there. Uh, Provorov, Provorov, however you, however you go there, is uh, gaining fast on Mr. Noah Hannafin. Um, the the Arizona decor looks pretty set in the Vermetio. They got Klaus Dahlbeck, uh, Ekman Larson, obviously. If uh, Brent Brandon Gormley, he's on his way next year, most likely. Uh, the American kids, the American kids are already up and running, right? Brandon Gormley, Mark? Connor Murphy, seventy Murphy, seventy yeah, two games there. Uh, son of NHL demon Gord Murphy. Uh, 6'3", 185, probably be 190, 195 when he hits camp this year. Um, if they want to, they can bring six defensemen to the rink that are all under 25 years old right now. So if, if you're looking at that, the, most likely, in my opinion, they're going to go forward. You've got Max Domi, who's listed center, but he translates more to a wing. Um, more of a winger here in the National Hockey League. They've got Anthony Duclair, who had a fantastic World Juniors. Um, great skater, great speed. Um, 5'11", 185. If, if he can put on 5'10 more pounds, you know. I think that, personally, my opinion, there's too much, too much is emphasis is placed on size. If you're 6'5", 210, they're going to tell you you don't use your strength and size enough. If you're 5'11", 180, they're going to tell you to put on weight. Anthony Duclair is a hockey player, and he's going to play hockey in the National Hockey League for a long time. So, look, looking at Arizona, Heinrich Samuelson is on the way, 6'3", 210. Uh, big, strong, power forward player. Uh, complimenting the Domies and, and the Duclairs that they have on their way. They did make a, make a, uh, make a trade bringing in Sam Gagne. He's going to take pressure off any center they might take. He's going to be their number one center for a year or two. Lucas Lesio, still a few years off, but uh, he could project to a top six role. Um, Chris, uh, if, if we were going to go to the, to the number three pick in the 2015 NHL draft, who do you have? Who do you have the Coyotes? Well, I think it. I, I think it nailed the mark. I think it's it's either Marner or Dylan Strom. I like Dylan Strom uh, simply because uh, look, Mitch Marner has got electric speed, electric skill. I mean, he's not called the magician as a nickname for no reason. Um, but to me, he. Is a, I don't want to say he's small, but he's a little slight. And, of course, he's 18, so sure. he's going to grow a little bit. But, but Dylan Strong, to me, there aren't, for lack of a better term, those, that little bit of a question. He's, he's arguably, you know, he's right there with Mourner in terms of his offensive skill. He's very creative. He gets And uh, the thing I love about him, uh, reading about him, is, he gets the most out of his teammates. I mean, the the idea of a line of Strom, Domi, and Duclair should get, um, you know, Coyote fans pretty excited. Absolutely. Uh, he's already 6'2". Uh, so the Coyotes stay at number three because there has been some chatter that they might consider in the right deal, whatever that means. They said, they said uh, if you give up your firstborn, that they may move the pick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's where that's you know 
You know what it comes down to, uh, real quick, for teams, because there's been talk about uh, really teams 3, 4, and 5, the Coyotes, the, uh, the Leafs, and the Hurricanes, um, possibly entertaining of trading, trading down. And it comes down to, I think I mentioned to you guys before the show, that really the way this draft is after the big two is this, the second wave is the Strom, Marner, Hannafin wave. Yep. And then there's another wave of about half dozen players. If these, any of these teams, yeah, if any of these teams feel that, you know, the Pavel Zackel, Zackel or the Provorovs or the Lawson Krauss is on par or pretty close to Dylan Strom, Mitch Moner, Noah Hannafin, they're going to roll up their sleeves and see if they can make a trade. They're That's what it comes down to. Now, whether, how they feel that is anyone's guess. But I would go, I, I would have the Coyotes selecting Dylan Strom. I think most people feel that way. Yep. Although yeah, I would not rule out, obviously. Great, well, well, you would know, Chris, great bloodline. Uh, his whole family plays in the league or, or going to, so uh, you, you see his brother all the time, right? Yeah, he's, he's a heck of a, I, I think Dylan is projected to be better than Ryan. I mean, Ryan is a heck of a player himself. Uh, he had his first full season with the Islanders last year. Uh, he was very good offensively. Um, he's just a baby. I think he's 21. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, again, he plays the game the right way. He has the right attitude. He was a strong plus-minus player. And it sounds like Dylan's going to be even better. And then they have another brother. His name escaped yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, you're right, though. Yeah. Is he a year away or is he two years away? He's going uh, into uh, juniors this upcoming season, from what I understand. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's I another see. year or two away. Yeah, yeah they're going to have some. Um... So I'm going with Dylan Strom for those reasons. And I, I agree 100%. If I'm in Arizona, love it. Six, six, the, the difference between him and Marner, and you're really splitting hairs. Either one can be a franchise player for years to come in, in a different way. Strom does bring that physicality that, that Marner just can't. 6'3", uh, after, the, after the combine, 6'3", 185, going to put on another 15 pounds, maybe another inch, going to be 6'4", looking at 200. Um, and like you said, with Domi, Domi and, and uh, that's right Duclair. now. Domi, uh, yeah, Duclair. Domi, Al Claire, Duclair, whatever the heck's going through my brain right now. Uh, yeah, that, that line... It, it, for Arizona is, is I'm I'm with you. Dylan Strom is going to be the pick, and that's where that's where things open up. And then with uh, finishing off Arizona, yeah, we both take Dylan Strom, um, and that's a, that's a good look for that franchise. So that brings us to Maple Leaf Nation number four. Um, new head coach, new direction. You've got a couple different ways you can go there. I've seen. I've seen it argued that maybe maybe Marner isn't quite a Babcock type player and that Hannafin might be a better, you know, Babcock may prefer Hannafin, but you know, there's been a there's been countless too, much, countless too many yanks on that roster, Mark. Too I was, many yanks I was, on that roster. I was just going to say go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No no less of an executive than Brian Burke has been run out of town. For having too many Americans playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, 
<laughs> and that said, there's an Ontario-born kid who's right there for the for the picking, ripe for the picking in Little Mitchell Marner. And I say Little Mitchell Marner. Uh, when when I heard all these thing questions about his size, I thought he was like 5'2", 122. But uh, 5'11", 165, 18 years old. You pick up an inch or six foot, and uh, you get some strength and conditioning. Um, and, and, you know, I think the size thing is overrated. I've already said that. Uh, but uh, it just seems like uh, if, if you're going to start the rebuild and begin the, the Babcock era in Toronto that uh, – with the number four pick in the 2015 NHL draft, it may be Mitchell Marner to Toronto. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm, uh, this is a tough call. Um, we went back I'll and forth. Mark, week. From this. Chris, Chris, yeah. don't let, Chris, Chris, don't let Mark influence you with this. You pick your pick, all right? <laughs> no, no, Chris is far I, too I, far too professional of a, of, a, of a journalist to allow someone like, some idiot like me to... Uh, you know, I'm not quite in mom's basement, but I'm not far removed. <laughs> uh, Chris is going to go with the, with the professional pick here. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Part of me, you know, agrees with you from the standpoint of when you think of Brendan Shannon and Mike Babcock and how they want to construct this team going forward, how they want to get it a lot more fundamentally sound. I mean, that screams and gets stronger defensively. Absolutely. It screams. Um but having said that, uh, the Canadian bloodlines aside, uh, you know, Mitch Marner has got a, you know, special, special talent. And let's face it, you know, most teams really struggle scoring goals. I mean, it's a big problem in the league. I believe last year uh, only f- either four or five teams averaged three goals or more a game. Um, you can't teach that kind of skill. So... I would go with Mitch Marner to the league. Oh, I, 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 not to hedge my bets, but it's literally, I think, flipping a coin. You know, uh, but I would flip the coin that it's. I'm going to bet that it's going to be Mitch Marner and that and that skill. And hopefully he'll. You know, I don't know if he's five eleven. By the way, I think that might be you know some generous uh, uh, accounting going on. Uh, but, you know, he can still grow a little, put, get him in the gym. Again, he's not going to blow anyone away with his body size, but uh, there's plenty of guys out there, uh, you know, uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler Johnson, I believe. You Undrafted know, Tyler Johnson? And he, Undrafted Tyler Johnson, you mean, from the Tampa Bay Lightning? Undrafted for four years. So yeah. It's hard to believe. But, and, uh, and finish the year uh, top Mitch, five and Mitch yeah, I'm saying Mitch Marner to, to, to Toronto. I love it. I love. I love your head, that sir. I love it. I love we, it. I, we love it. You know what that does? That just screws up every other team in the top ten. You know that, don't you? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I actually disagree. I, I think Carolina will be happy because I think uh, Carolina uh, they can go winger or they can go defenseman. Man, and uh, I think it makes their decision. Oh, I'm not jumping ahead here. But then if I was them, I would jump on Noah Hannafin no with question. Carolina at number five. Absolutely. Right. If Hannafin can... Nice, tran- nice transitioning there. Sir. 
Absolutely. If if Carolina's sitting there and Hannafin falls in their lap, they're going to do flips in the war room. There's not, I mean, no question about it. E- either player. And like you said, there's the two. There's McEichel and then Strom, Marner, Hannafin in any order that you want to take them. Um, I, I know Carolina, that's, you, don't, you don't get the number five overall pick because you're stocked at all positions. Um, there's a lot of talk uh, with the Stahl brothers and, and uh, Ward coming up here in a little bit for contracts, and they might be in a tough spot. But if Hannafin falls in their lap, it's a no-brainer. Noah Hannafin, Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes, number five overall. It's a no-brainer. I love it. I love it. Moving, moving on to the New Jersey Devils. Wow, this is where this is where it gets interesting. Everybody, this is Chris. This is Chris's backyard here. Yeah, we're right. We're right in. We're right in the name, Chris. Let me let me give it to you. New Jersey Devils are sitting there on the clock at New Jersey. You've got you've got a forward at six four two fifteen who's been projected a lot higher than number six overall for most of the year. You've got the defenseman, the the Russian kid sitting there. Um, this pick, I think, comes down to Kraus versus Provorov and which way you want to go. And the, the, the youthful depth at forward for New Jersey may tilt the scale one way or another, but this, this is your hood, bro. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's funny because for the hockey writers, uh, all of us writers contributed picking a team, I, and I had the New Jersey Devils. Actually, it's up on the website at the Hockey Writers. You can find um, we did mock drafts for both rounds one and two. So I, I already made this selection once before, and the five players we talked about were off the board in that mock draft as well. And I guess I have to be consistent. So uh, I love Wilson Krause. The question about him is: Is he going to be a 15 goal? Is he going to be a core player for a team and be a, a 15 goal scorer, or is he going to be a core player for a team? And be a twenty-five to thirty-goal scorer. Um, I would have. I believe of what's left on the board, and I, again, we're splitting hairs here because to me, the next six selections come down to, you know, you have two defensemen in Provorov and Woronensky. You have Kraus, you have Mario Barzell, and, and Zakel uh, on the forwards, and uh, it's going to come down to the, the, the all the film that these teams and, and the scouting reports these teams put in. But for me, uh, on paper, Provorov is got the best chance to be elite. I know the Devils uh, have a huge problem uh, in terms of their forwards. But when you're uh, in this position, and I think the Devils are going to have at least a couple of lean years out of them, you got to look big picture, and you got to take the best player on the board. I think Provorov has a chance to be elite between size and skill and smart. I mean, that's a... That's a pretty good combination right there. So I would take Provorov. In a perfect world, uh, if I was the Devils GM, I would try to make some phone calls and trade down to one of the other spots between others, and I'd grab one of those other players and pick up picks for this very, very deep draft. And the Devils already have two second-round picks. So if I can, let's say, call Columbus, who really is looking for who supposedly is, who really loves Provorov and slide down from six to eight. And uh, uh, Mark, I believe you mentioned that they have a number of picks in the second and third round and can pick up, you know, a second round pick, an early second to go with a couple other early seconds. 
uh, that's what I would look to do. But if that's not available, uh, I'm taking Pro Bowl. Nice. Yeah, they the Colum- Columbus if they're if they're super high on Provorov, they do have the five picks in the first three rounds. So if you could give New Jersey the eighth and either one or maybe even two, which might be a little steep of a price uh, to move up to that six and take Provorov, um, they did lose Wisniewski at the deadline this year. So Provorov could come in and and you know quarterback their power play his his offensive his offensive skills are off the chart and and i mean tsn their ranking system craig button puts Proveroff ahead of noah Fan, noah hannafin as as far as the best defenseman in the draft so it may be worth columbus taking taking their first and a couple seconds and moving up and grabbing them if that's the way they want to go um, and also, too, the, to keep in mind, the Devils could take one of their other young defensemen, like uh, like a Jelena or one of the other guys right. they have on the main roster who's NHL, and give a call. We were talking about the Edmonton Oilers before, and give a call to them and to maybe get a Jakob off, maybe get, you know, or expand the deal and get, you know, two for two going each way, and or get an Eberle or, you know, one of those kind of players. So yep. it's not like. They'll have like so. There'll be plenty of teams interested in their good young defense, and uh, uh, them to make, and they can go that route in terms of adding. And uh, and obviously, the draft is not all about, uh, although that's what we focus on, and rightfully so. The sexy first round picks. So you know, again, the Devils pick at uh, thirty six in the the sixth pick in the second round, and the eleventh pick in the second round. Those are two critical picks for them. So question. Uh, and they add two more good players. So. Uh, you know, they'll have time to pick up sports there as well. Yeah, and July 1st is right around the corner. If they choose to uh, choose to go the free agency route, there's a couple young young guys. And it's just it's a little there. thin at the four. It's a little thin at the four position, I believe, though. Yeah, it's a little thin. Period. But I think it's a little thin at the four position. If if you're looking for immediate help, though, you should be able to uh, pick someone up for a two or three year deal. If, if you're, right, as long as it's in that two or three range versus that exactly, I, there's there's not too many guys that you're going to go six years, uh, six year forty two million dollars out in this year's class either on defense or in in the forward core. But so so you got Proveroff, you've got Proveroff to New Jersey, um, which to me it just it just feels like number seven with Philly. Oh. That that Lawson oh. Krause is just I mean, he may have been born to be a flyer, just uh, the big body, the game he plays. He's not going to dipsy doodle his way through the crease and skate around flyby. He's going to park that big frame right in front of the goalie. He's going to get his points on deflections. He's going to get his points on the power play. Um, Drop and, him there. And to me, and and th- this is you know player selection is not my forte, but. I just, it just feels right that if New Jersey does stay at the sixth spot and take Provorov, Provorov, however it goes, then then I think I think uh, Lawson Krause is born to be a, a Philadelphia Flyer. What do you think? I, I think it's going to be Barzil. I think he's really? a little bit more polished. He, I think he's more of a two-way player. Um, Coming off the injury. I, yeah, but I, I think it's going to be – they, they they have a lot of strong defensive prospects, so I don't think it's going to be uh, Renin, Reninsky. Uh, I think right, it's going to be Barzil. Uh, you know, um, 
I would go with also, but again, crowns will get strong consideration. Well, you're looking. Uh, you're looking wait, at the different. But, uh, um, Barthel's five eleven one seventy eight. He's uh, he he is a point machine. It looks like I'm looking at my notes and and they're getting farther and farther away. Yeah, again with crowns, and again, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of NHL scouts out there. But from what I've read on various scouting reports, uh, you know, the book is very much open of. Again, Krauss is going to be uh, a great addition to any team, and he's going to be an important cog of that franchise moving forward. Again, but I don't think anyone really knows is he's going to be a good goal scorer. The question is, is he going to be a lot better than good? So that, you know, whereas someone like uh, like Barzell, I think there's a lot more confidence in his offensive, you know, in terms of offensive game. And, and helping score goals, top, so I and that's where you know Fly is a very top heavy. Tom, Tom, where are you at on Philly? <clears throat> no, I, yeah, you know, yeah, like you said, uh, it seemed like Kraus is born to be a flyer, but hey, we can't we can't argue with a professional. And no way. one week away from the NHL draft here, time will tell, right? Time sir? will tell. Um, yeah, that's who take him. Taking Barzell off the board. I got to adjust here. I got to adjust. That moved him forward a few spots on my board. I don't, I'm not going to lie. I might be I might be out of whack for the rest of the first round here. But I'll catch up. I'll catch up. Um, in and, and Chris, who, who do you like for uh, the number eight pick? Columbus Blue Jackets. I love Miko. Miko Rantanen. Yeah, he... The guy is uh, they call him the finished ball. Yes, he, he plays like a blue jacket. You know, he has you know nose for the net. He has a very aggressive style. Again, I think he has more of an upside scoring wise than Kraus. I think he'll get again. Uh, I hope I don't get hate mail from the Wilson Kraus uh, fan club. But I or the Flyers I faithful like the, for that matter. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the finish goal here for the Blue Jackets. I got them. I got uh, I got them going the back and forth. They do have a pretty deep prospect pool, uh, and it it's my belief they would have made the playoffs last year if they hadn't. They led the league in man games lost to injury, I believe, last yeah, year. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And when they when they got healthy at the end of the year, they were way out of it. They were way down. You know, at one point in January, February, they were battling. Uh, Arizona and Buffalo to for the McEichel. Not that bad, but yeah, they, they were in the ball game. They were in the ball game. It, but uh, when everybody got healthy, they I, they went on a nine and one run. Um, they they got a couple parts in the at the trade deadline with a deal with Anaheim for Wisniewski, who was underutilized by the Ducks in the playoffs, if you ask me and Tom. But that's a different story. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! But uh, no, I got I got. They they could really go best player available, and if if they want to replace Wisniewski, Wierenski's right there on the board for him. University of Michigan, uh, well brought up, but uh, Miko Rantanen, highest highest rated uh, skater uh, from the European contingent, natural born right winger, six four two eleven, already playing in the pro leagues. It's hard to go wrong with that in Columbus. If you park him next to Johansson, who interestingly uh, 
Mike Riley, who had been a draft pick in 2011, has decided huh. not to sign with Columbus in the last day or two. Um, and, you know, his, his rights expire uh, on, actually, I think a couple of days ago, actually, June 15th, I think. And yeah. he, he decided not to sign with them. And Ryan Johansson tweeted out, we didn't want you anyway. Period. And uh, done, done deal with Mr. Mike Riley. Apparently he has a list of teams he thinks he can go to, um, and they don't include the Blue Jackets. So if they felt like putting Owerinsky there at 6'2", 206, I wouldn't be surprised at that, but I agree. Miko Rantanen, uh, big-bodied power forward with silky hands, silky mitts, um, and a little bit of physical bite to his game is probably a good fit there in Columbus. Mark, can I ask uh, you and Chris, with this, you know, speaking of the college prospects and then bolting out, if you will, I is, will. It, is, is it more of a more of a risk taking the uh, a college kid at this point because they could they could really give you the hammer just like the uh, Russian kid could bolt to the KHL. What do you guys think about that? I'll let Chris take well, that first. I, I think a lesson to be learned here is what happened is in, in, in his case, Riley's case, was he was a mid-round pick, well, which is an important pick, and obviously they chose well because he is considered a very good prospect at this point, one that would get you know a higher grade than a fourth-round pick. Um, but the lesson to be learned here is you know get your pick signed. And uh, because what happens is if you pick you know a third or fourth or fifth round pick, and then uh, they start progressing a lot harder than they where they were picked and they're not signed, uh, and uh, from the collegiate standpoint they can wind up being you know uh, a free agent if you will. Uh, we saw this uh, recently. The Islanders signed someone similar a couple of years ago in uh, Kevin Churchman. Uh, I think there was like half the league was interested, and ironically went to the Islanders. It was the best chance to get to the uh, the NHL as quick as possible. And the Islanders are flush with defense for now. But um, so, you know, that is to me the lesson to be learned: get your pick signed so you're not in this position. Yeah, um, right. That would be that would be my that would be my uh, you know if, if that's possible. Well, as far as, as yeah. Ryan Johansson's concerned, we didn't want him anyway. And, yeah, I love that. And, and if they do take Miko Ranton, I think that's a great spot for Ranton to come off the board. Um, unless, the, you know, unless they, they do move up to New Jersey, like you were saying, Chris, um, they could flip-flop with New Jersey and get Provorov, which isn't a bad look either. You can't, lo- uh, you can't lose either way. I mean, the, the first 10 picks in every draft are littered with the can't-lose-either-way prospects that never really find their yeah. way into the NHL. But... This is such a deep draft. We were talking with a local radio host, Brian Blessing, who was a member of the Buffalo Sabres broadcast network years back, and he thinks it's also one of the deepest drafts that he remembers. And if if you do right and you're in the top ten, you're going to have a guy that is going to go through your system, whether he plays right away or whether he's three, four years away. Um you could have a, a blue chip prospect that could turn into somebody that um, is a cornerstone of your franchise for the next ten years with any of the top ten picks. And Ranton could. Well, the other thing is, go ahead. 
The other thing is that's interesting is how fast the players are now coming. I think if you go back a few years, like you said, uh, you, you draft a player, you know, some players would be there within two, you know, some, you know, but a lot of them would take at least three, if not four years. But now, you know, these kids are bigger and stronger, even at 18 years of age. And within, you know, after a couple of years, I mean, to put it in perspective, we were talking about the Strong Brothers before. Uh, this, yeah. is, this is pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, Ryan Strom, I almost got them confused. Ryan Strom was drafted the fifth overall pick in, uh, memory serves correct, the 2011 draft. Okay, he spent two years in junior and then half a year in the AHL. That's a pretty quick, you know, turnaround, right? Yeah, yeah. historically, that's fast to the league, for sure. That's fast, right? Okay. Of his draft class, of the top ten picks, he was the last one to make it to the NHL. Wow. Huh. So these well, kids, good. Yeah. So these wow. kids are coming. So I think the team's now looking at it like kind of a two-year window that, you know, if, if they come quicker, that's great. But by the time they're 20, you know, we'll, we'll, we can see them. I mean, hey, look, Anthony DeClaire played a number of games for the Rangers last year. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're going to see them. You know, Max Stoney should be in the – Coyotes next year. What is it? You know, again, he's 20 years old. So yeah. they're coming, you know, again, we talked about how big some of these players are already. So, you know, another year or two, um, you know, Michael Del Cole, the Islanders, fifth round overall pick, uh, the fifth overall pick of last year's draft, um, won the Memorial Cup. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll probably go back to junior for one more year. I'm not going to rush him. But then, you know, he'll probably be on the Islanders. I mean, be 20 years old. So, Tanner uh, Pearson, these players are coming faster and faster. Yeah, Tanner Pearson with the Kings is a good example of that. He went undrafted after breaking his leg and being a top 10 Central Scouting Bureau uh, prospect the year before, but went undrafted. And then with the last pick in the first round coming off their Stanley Cup championship, they got Tanner Pearson, who spent one year in the AHL and then came up and, and you know, he's He's playing next to Toffoli and Carter on what was one of the most dynamic lines in the league last year, the the, the 70s line, if you will. Um, but, yeah, coming fast, coming strong, and ready to play an NHL brand of hockey. Um, and th- these kids are doing it. There's no question about that. Speaking of doing it. Speaking of. Speaking of, speaking of doing it, San Jose Shark. Shark. We got we got. I, I, I dove deep in the shark tank here, sir, for my little research to set you up here, Chris. Sir, number nine overall Doug, pick. General Manager Doug Wilson. He's doing uh, my research. Has took the highest VO2 max guy, Thomas Hurdle and Mirko Mueller. They had the best results in their draft years. So now, I heard Mackenzie Blackwood goalie had the blew out the VO2 max test. The San Jose continue on with their thing, Chris. I know, no. I, I, uh, <laughs> You're thinking no there, huh? Yeah, I Shoot, like, uh, shooting down my New I York have, buddy. And, uh, I, was, I like. I'll set up a joke. <laughs> I, I like uh, Pavel Zach here, the center. He's six foot three already, over two hundred pounds. Yeah, a freak. That 
Yeah, great frame, uh, skill, size, great work ethic. The Sharks are kind of, I don't want to say they're rebuilding, they're kind of retooling. You know, Patrick Morrow and Joe Thornton, I think, have two more years to go, so their reign is kind of ending there, and Ooh. they're going to have a new wave of players. Kind of so, ending messily, uh, think, too. Kind, kind yeah, of I wouldn't be surprised if those guys get, you know, you, you'll see their names on the trading block, although... It's so hard to follow these days. So many guys have no trade clause. Yeah. Of course, no trade clause. You, you know, I the, believe uh, they they have go ahead. no trade clause. Some kind of no trade, I believe. I'm not sure. No, you know, yeah, Thornton, Thornton does for sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, waved I, it to I, get I like out of there, though. Pavel Zaka. Um, yeah, but, I, but I like. I like uh, as, as far as as hypothetically moving up, I would not be surprised if Thornton was in a package with San Jose's number nine pick to go up somewhere if they have someone that they really gotta have. He told he told his general manager to shut up and mind his own business right in the media, open <laughs> open public statement. Well, he needs to shut up and mind his own business. If if there's any way San Jose can move him, I don't think he would. Hold on to his you no know, trade clause and try and their their windows closed right now. I'm a I'm a Western Conference guy, being a Kings fan. San Jose is not going to be contending for a cup anytime soon. Um, head coaching change, uh, rip the letter off Thornton's chest, and if 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 there's a biter out there that would take Thornton and the number nine to move up, I, I would think San Jose would be real interested in doing that as far as the front office is concerned. There's a lot of unrest yeah, in San great. Jose. Uh, I think yeah, it's a great idea, but I don't see the team to move up to uh, I, I, in terms of – I'll give you a team I think Thornton could do well with and there would be interest, but, I mean, you're not going to get a first-round pick for him. It would be the Panthers. I think Panthers need a little bit more scoring – to say the least, so I, and it's not a bad place to live uh, down in South Beach. There, sure. I can see Thornton, you know, you know, in a low pressure environment. Uh, you know, he's yeah. So he could, San Jose could move back with the Thornton package and let Florida move up. That's an interesting, interesting scheme that I hadn't thought of. Um, you never know; it's only two picks back. If let's say, let's say Zaka's off the board. And uh, a couple, there's someone Florida has their eye on. Maybe that's something that could get worked out. It's not a, interesting. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, what the hell? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, Yager re-signed down there, right? In Florida, he said he said he loved it. The young kids down there re reinvigorated him. Sure, yeah, sure. Well, if if we're talking, Colorado, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say, so if we're taking Pavel Zacha off the board, then that brings us to the number 10 overall pick. Um, Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche. Uh, and I, I, go ahead, I, I, I went, Yeah, I went through the mountains here. I went through the mountains of my research, sir. And um, <laughs> the Avs haven't used a first-round pick on a D-man since 2007. Ooh. They took they took Shattenkirk that year at fourteen. So what do you what do you think, Chris? Uh, I think if it played out this way, I I think they'd do handstands because first off, I think they need a defenseman in that organization. Uh, you got Zach Wierenski on the board still. Yeah. He's a two way player. He's gonna need a little bit more time than Provorov, from what I read. But again. Uh, 
thinking picture. And then if you look at their cap situation, I, I believe like uh, three of their defensemen, including their uh, big guy, is uh, UFA after next year. So they they got some issues going on there as well in terms of uh, contracts with their defensemen. So uh, this to me is the perfect uh, uh, situation for Colorado to take Wierenski. Love it. University of Michigan. I love it. I think that'd be a great fit. We got number 11, Florida Panthers. Now, it seems like we're talking about... Yep, sorry, this go is ahead. where the email ends for Wilson Krause followers. This is, uh, I, I see the Panthers saying, you know what, worst case scenario, uh, if he winds up being a poor player for us, you know, playing a 200-foot game, playing physical, uh, and scoring 16 goals, so be it. But uh, this, to me, he, they're not going to pass up on uh, Wilson Yeah. No, if if Kraus, if 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 he's still on the board, um, like we have him projected to be still on the board, Florida grabs him, no question. You, you yeah, one would think, right? Sure, no question at all. That's uh, if if he drops outside of the top ten, uh, wow, the, someone's Man, gonna, someone's going to get a steal. Yeah, Sabres are moving up the cabin, right? Oh, you got how many first round picks do you got this year? Seven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you package both of those and move up to Florida and grab him, right? Then you got Eichel and Kraus out of the same draft. I'm done with you, sir. You're going to have to start your own podcast. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, no, I, didn't, I was, uh, Chris, I was just, I was mentioning to Mark um, the last week or so. It's amazing that. The uh, beginning of the, you know, and not last October, September, October, November, I, I always heard, obviously, McDavid, Eichel, Hannafin, Kraus was always in the top five forever, and it's obviously times have changed. I don't, um, what, what do you think the reason is for that? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, last, you know, last season is a big year. Uh, you know, it's a big year in their development in terms of the games that they're playing at the, uh, on, the, on the junior level. So they're still being scouted, you know, and uh, uh, and as you move up the ranks, you know, the competition gets tougher. So it's not a complete report card, if you will. And obviously leading into their draft year is a lot more at stake in how they handle that pressure as well. So uh, I would say that it's still, you know, it's an incomplete picture. Everyone knew that, you know, McDavid and Michael would be there. But after that, you know, there's still a lot at stake for some of these other guys. If, you know, uh, another guy uh, you can mention that I, I believe he was in the top seven or so was the defenseman who is probably going to flip to late in the first round now. And um, why is his name escaping me right Jakob now? Oh, Oliver uh, Killington. Oh, Killington. Okay. No, Oliver uh, Killington. Oh yeah, the uh, sweetest guy. Yeah, he. I think at the beginning of the year he was ranked around in the top six or seven. And, oh wow! You know, not 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 that not that it's the end of the world if you get picked twentieth overall 
or so. Yeah. But you know, so um, you know, I think that's what I, I think that's what happens. It's a big year for all those guys, and you know, you know, sometimes they sometimes and sometimes other guys pick up their game and they rise and you you fall a little bit. Sure. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's, it's just amazing that you know how, how fast how fast that happens. I guess it's uh, tough to wrap your head around for sure. Moving on to the uh, Dallas Stars, number twelve. Dallas yeah, Stars. if I was Dallas, I would be pretty upset that Rolinski is off the board. I would. I'm a Stars fan. That's the guy I hope falls there. Right. I don't yeah. Bill. The guy that intrigues me, although um, I don't think they'll take him because it's a little early, is the, uh, the one of the, the the twin towers or one of the twin towers of Brandon Carlo, who I think is six foot six. Yeah, wow, absolutely. Uh, but I think he's going to go a little bit later. I think you're going to see him in the next wave or so. I think if you're the stars, even though you you know you really need a defenseman and you have a lot of forwards. I think you have to take the best player on the board, and it's probably Timo Meyer at this point. You know, he's a two-way player with skills, and uh, he, he plays a smart game. Again, another big, big-body guy. He's already over six foot, over two hundred pounds. Yeah, six one. You know, I have six one two oh eight. Um, yeah, I, I, it would it, be too hard to pass pass up on him. He's a he's a sure. he's a good power power forward. Got a lot of skill, uh, high compete level from, and you know obviously I'm not sitting in the arena watching any of these kids play. I'm a YouTube hero here, but uh, definitely battles battles on the boards, battles for the puck. Uh, already over six foot, two ten, real good pro- prospect. Someone someone farther down the list might have had their eye on him. What is, now? Now, now, you did mention they were they would probably be looking for a Zach Wierenski. Um <clears throat> and excuse me. What what do you look at uh, Jakobs Borrell uh, possibly taking Wierenski's spot there? Really good offensive defenseman, six foot one eighty five puck mover. Um, maybe after the top two there could be could be one of the better offensive defensemen to go in this draft. Are you? Are you looking at him to possibly go there or farther back? Uh, who did you say? Uh, Jacob or Jakob Zaboral? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he's the next guy on the board, but I think he's going to go somewhere between 15 to 20. And from what I've heard, Edmonton, or what I've read, Edmonton is very high on him. So, okay. I, you know, if he's on the board when Edmonton picks their second-round pick, uh, from the Penguin trade with David Perron, so they picked 16. Yep. Uh, I don't think he'll slide past them. That's where I would kind of earmark him. Okay. Okay. I might have had him up there a little bit. So we got, bit. as much as that is a need for Dallas, though, it is. Timo Meyer, I think, is at a higher level prospect than him. This goes back to what we were discussing uh, about need and drafting. And, best and again, in a perfect, you know, what Dallas, what Dallas could do is, again, if someone, you know, in the next two or three picks is like, oh, my God, I would love to get Timo Meyer, and they could trade down a couple of spots, pick up a, a pick and a prospect, or pick up a good pick, uh, and then take, uh, you know, uh, Jacob. Jacob DeBorley, yeah, you know, makes sense. But I, I think it, it's, I think they, it's too, 
too hard to pass up on uh, Timo Meyer. If, if he's still on the board there, then uh, you're you're thinking Dallas can't just let him go. Yeah, that's what I. That's I like I said, you got to be careful when you know, because again, uh, you know, it's not like Jacob uh, Zavori is going to be able to beat one of Dallas's you know top four defensemen you know next year anyway. So right, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Dallas go after one of these free agent defensemen that uh, one of the many free agent defensemen uh, that could be available come uh, early July. Could be a way for them. Move, moving on to my partner's team here. What? Los Angeles Kings. What? <laughs> now we got, okay, I was going to do a quick intro on the market, take it over for the next two hours. We got <laughs> probably two Stanley Cups. And I heard all week the Calder Cup champions, yes, Manchester Monarchs, yes. In theory, the Los Angeles Kings are stocked to the cupboards here for now and Great. the foreseeable future. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, Mark, you want to add your two cents? If I didn't do it justice. Oh, you want to go right to roll right to Chris? I want to see what Chris has to say, and there, you know, chances are I might have some input here. Okay, well, in doing my final prep uh, for the podcast today, uh, I did come across a mock draft on uh, hockeyfutures.com. If I'm allowed to, uh, which I do not work for, so I'm allowed sure. to promote that. Half, half my uh, material, half our material came from Hockey Future. The other half from TSN and EliteProspects.com. So if anybody over there is listening to us, yeah, we're throwing you a bone. It's okay. Don't worry. I wanted to read this, who they had picking at 13. But, uh, I'm going to just read the scouting report first, and uh, Mark, try not to get too excited. <laughs> Tenacious competitor with high-end offensive skills, valuable leadership qualities, just the type of player that the Kings covet. That's it. 200-foot range, be a nice addition to L.A.'s developing speed game and contributes to the playoff efforts for years to come. If this player is still at 13th overall, the Kings will not pass on him. And I'm going to agree with them on that scouting report. And that's Travis Konecki, uh, right winger from the Ottawa 67s. Ooh, a little bit of a curveball. A little curveball there. I mean, what what you just said is a prototypical uh, Los Angeles King under the Dean Lombardi regime. There's no question about that. Um, what about Kyle Connor, United States Hockey League? Yeah, he's right there. He's right there he, too. In he, fact, that was going to be my next pick with the Bruins. Um, I actually think whoever the I think that's going to be the choice of the Kings. I think it's going to be: do they take Kyle Connor or do they take? Uh, Konecki, and if whoever they don't take, I think the Bruins take. Right. So I think the Bruins are going to have a little bit easier decision than the Kings. And um, so uh, I, I think, but I'm going to trust Hockey Futures on this because they do a, an incredible job. Yeah, they do. And I love the last line. Someone there, and let's say maybe they have a connection in the Kings front office or scout, saying if he's still there, they will not pass on him. Yeah, that's, uh, let me let me give you TSN's projection on uh, on young Kyle Connor, left wing. 
and we can compare yeah, and contrast that a little bit. Combination of smarts. Real, real, real quick, Mark, real quick. Go ahead, Tom. It doesn't matter. The Bruins going to take Kyle Connor because he's Irish. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sounds, he sounds like a Bruin, Kyle Connor. You think he's going yeah. southy? You think he's going southy yeah. right now? Is that where you're at? Yeah, he's picking, he's picking out his place, yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry, uh, go ahead, go uh, ahead. Maybe him and Will Hunting can hang out in their off time. <laughs> okay, uh, back, back to Kyle Connor. Uh, combination of smart skating ability, and this is straight off TSN's, uh, TSN's scouting director, so I'm, this isn't anything I've come up with personally. But a uh, very dangerous mm. offensive player. He can make any play as the situation calls for. He can speed the game up. He can slow the game down. Plays with great confidence, projects as a top-line player who can complement and make others better. Um, if you want to go Thomas Konecki, and I'll go Kyle Connor, and if we split the difference, we can't go too far wrong. Where, where, where do they have Kyle Connor right, right TSN? 13th overall. Two slots, what ahead, about two slots ahead of Konecki at 15th. Yeah, again, it's going to really come down to how the organization feels about, you know, those those two players in this. I mean, they're, they're very close. Um, One thing I'm about gonna, Travis. One thing about Travis Konecki, and, and um, Dean Lombardi has had some really good luck drafting from the uh, 67s. There's a history there that. Uh, yeah, Kyle Tafoli, I believe, is. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, if, if it comes down to a comfort level. Between the two, and that's what they go. They could very easily lean towards towards Thomas there. And with the last, pick, yeah, but like I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins. Um, like I said, I think it'll be easy for the Bruins because I think at that point those two players will be the best two players left. Um, I I think they'll take the one that the Kings don't. And in this case, would be Kyle Connor. The Kyle Connor, he's a. Uh, He's on United States Hockey League, is that right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Now, do you think, uh, do you think, Tom, that um, any chance Buffalo tries to move up from 21, or they, do you think they stay put? I, you know, the, 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 that is funny. I heard an interview with um, uh, Tim Murray, and he, uh, he said, don't be surprised that the Sabres take a goalie in that spot. Now, of course, we don't know if it's a ruse. I don't know why he would say that bluntly like that, but um, he did say that. Uh, you know, you know, with smoke and mirrors, I'm not too sure. You know what I mean? Well, Hockey Futures on their mock draft, which just got posted yesterday, yeah. the Sabres taking Joel Erickson, the center at 21. And I think the only goalie the Hockey Futures had going in the first round was at yeah, to to Arizona. Yeah, so, I, uh, I think it was I think it was Craig Button had Samson off his 14th rate player, and he, and he he basically said he's like I know teams don't take goalies in the first round anymore, but he believed this guy was the real deal. Well, I'd be, be, like be surprised. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I'd be shocked if he was taken already in the top 20 pick. So if they yeah. want him, uh, i got to think he's going to be on the board. So if they yeah, want sure. if that's their guy they're targeting, there's no reason to trade up. I was just wondering 
you know, with with the Sabres, who uh, God knows how many picks they have in this draft. So um, many. They be, yeah, so many. Would they be, like, let's say, like, a Dallas at 12. Dallas, like, gee, you know, we really like pick defensemen, but it's too early based on who's left. If it's Shabbat or, or uh, Brandon Colo or, um, you know, I just name a couple. You know, yeah. Trump makes a phone call and says, hey, look, we'll swap from 21 to 12. We'll give you, you know, I, I don't know. How many second-round picks does Buffalo have? <laughs> You know what? I off the top of my head, I don't even know, but there, there's a few there. I, I know. I think yeah. you have one of the Islanders second-round picks, I believe. And they have some I, of the Kings I, as well in the uh, Braden. Yeah. Year. So I, we, we were just talking about uh, with with uh, Buffalo take Samson off at 21, mm. and I said I think you. That's probably a good you know, spot. He'll be on the board. Yeah, that's he'll, not he'll bad. He'll be on the board. Hockey, hockey team just had them taking Joel Erickson at 21. But, I mean, I, I was just more wondering, would Buffalo think about trading one of their second-round picks, let's say with a Dallas, try to move up from 21 to 12, take a Timo Meyer, let's say, and then, uh, and then uh, Dallas can slide down to 21, pick up, let's say, a second-round pick, and then take, you know, with Thomas Shabbat on defense or Brandon Cole on defense uh, at that spot. Yeah, no, it's, 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 everything's viable for sure. In seven days from now, we're going to see all this go down, which is going to be exciting, huh? Absolutely. So glad that yeah, they... That's, actually more, that's more intriguing for Buffalo than their second pick. Yeah, right? From a fan perspective, yeah. But if he yeah. made that statement about Samsonoff, then, you know, like I said, he's going to be... I would be shocked if he was not there, that, he, that someone would take him... Not that he's not worthy of it, but... Teams are, yeah. you know, he specifically didn't say enough, but you know, read between the lines. I'm assuming that's who he's talking about. But yeah, he's saying he's, he's, he's the only goalie that really got a first round grade, right? Is has there been any other mocks drafts that you guys have seen where you've seen another goalie in the first round? No, only Samsonov and Blackwood was always, from what I saw, was uh, second round. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that I'm just, out of the whatever five that I saw. Yeah, Blackwood was the second second round pick early. Yeah, I I I wouldn't be surprised if they did go that way, Tom. I really wouldn't. Yeah, well, yeah. Why not? I don't, I don't see anybody in front. Years. You know, Edmonton's at sixteen, but that might be too early to take the goalie. You know, Edmonton is yeah. going to be in the market for a goalie. They may go free agency right now to pick that up. Um, looking down the list. I don't see, you know, if, if Dubnik stays in Minnesota, uh, obviously we just saw that Detroit's packed with Morazic and Howard still there. Uh, Ottawa, I, I got, Ottawa has too many goalies. There's hamburgers and whatnot falling out of the rafters there. Um, and then when, yeah, when, I did hear that. Go ahead. I heard that uh, the Dubnik talks have not gone very well. Is that right? He wants a big deal. Oh, well, wow. it's been a little. Not, I shouldn't say not well, but they. I think everyone assumed, well, he'll resign in Minnesota. And, you know, he wants like a five-year, $25 million deal. And, I mean, right. considering, I don't want to say they got him off the scrap heap, but considering, you know, it was a very low-level move, if you will. And it was overlooked at the deadline. Overlooked deal at the deadline, no question about yeah. it. Yeah. 
so, but now, do you give that guy though a five-year, twenty-five million-dollar contract? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I agree with Chris. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. I'd go three years, that's eighteen. Well, I, if I I'm did, Minnesota, I heard Edmonton was looking at uh, Nemi. Mm-hmm. That oh, maybe they mm-hmm. could get Nemi on a on a Jonas Hiller type of two-year deal, and he could kind of be, you know, the stopgap kind of guy for them. Yeah. Well, well, what's funny too is Gubnik was a first-round pick of the Oilers, and they, you know, whatever happened, it didn't work out. That's the funny thing. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little leery. But also, there's been a lot of rumors, and right over here, that the Rangers might trade Cam Talbot, and the Oilers yeah. are very interested in Cam Talbot. And believe it or not, this would be insanity, in my opinion, that the Oilers might give up their second, their second first-round pick. Wow. Talbot which would be, you know, his sample size aside, he's only signed for one more year. And when yeah. you do that, I mean, now the, from a contractual standpoint, you've just put so much negotiating power into the player and his agent. Kind of like, I remember a couple of years ago, the Devils traded for Corey Schneider and they gave up the ninth overall pick. Yeah. Sure. Schneider was only signed, I believe, for one more year. Oh, and excuse me, two more years. Uh, so the Devils were like, well, wait a minute, we can't have him play for us for two years, give up the ninth pick, and walk out the door. So what yeah. happened? Right, the seven, seven-year extension for $42 million. Mm. So I don't, you know, it depends what the Oilers would have to give up. To me, Talbot was only signed for one more year. Um, any team giving up more than a third-round pick or a good, a good not great prospect, uh, given the contractual situation, they're they're insane. Now, but, uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially when you can find a King Henry in the seventh round, floating around. Ooh. That seemed to work out pretty good for the Rangers. Huh? Well, the, King you're Henry, not going to find that mind, every he's, year. <laughs> he's going to be, you know, he is going to be. You know, he's in great shape and all that. And he played tremendous. I mean, you know, he did everything he could to uh, to get them through Game Seven against the Lightning. But he is going to be 34 at the start of next year's playoffs. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was a coincidence that he played, you know, he played so well in this postseason. And it's not the kind of break he wanted due to an injury. But I think that break helped him and helped him stay fresher yeah. for the playoffs. Sure. And having Talbot around will be able to do that. Now, if someone's willing to give up a very strong asset for Talbot, they got to do it. But, well, you know, sure. they're going to have a very interesting offseason, the Rangers, because uh, I've read in different places uh, that there's, it's more likely than not that they will move Nash. The, uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that a bunch of times, yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask Chris, too, uh, Mark, sorry. Was um, Chris, real quick, I know you covered the Islanders, but has the Rangers window closed, do you think? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't uh, believe that. I uh, what I will so. say is, I, I, what I will say is, I think the biggest enemy the Rangers have right now is the cap. Uh, the Rangers have about twelve million dollars available left uh, uh, for this year for the cap, but they have to sign four key restricted free agents, and that's only to get them to eighteen players. Wow! Like the King King situation. Remember. Mark could tell you this. The Kings were playing due to the cap at various points last year. We had like 18 players. Because That's correct. They, you know, they, yeah. So uh, so that is also, you know, a big reason they need to move some money 
uh, you know, because they have to sign uh, Stephon as a restricted for Stephon, Haglin, uh, Fast, and JT Miller, and then uh, they're not signing. And from what I read, Stephon's going to get between five to six million. That's almost half the cap space that they have. Haglin's going to get close to four. I mean, it's going to be tight, and that's only going to give them eighteen players. So, um, I, I, I still think you know the Rangers are going to be right there with a lot of other teams, but teams are getting better. I mean, the Lightning uh, is going to be here for a while. Uh, Islanders. My fandom aside, I do, I do think the Islanders will have to see what they do this offseason there. You know, uh, you know, if those teams are, are in the one group, they're in the 1A group, I agree. if you will. Uh, Columbus is right, you know. Uh, although I would put a caution flag on Columbus from the standpoint of um, – you know, did win a lot of games when it didn't count at all. Uh, and there'll be expectations. They still need another goal scorer, and um, they still need another defenseman. Um, so, but, you know, Columbus, you know, I can see Washington. I love Barry Trotz, a great coach. Absolutely. Um, they just need to get, they have a lot of free agents. They're strong in defense, and they have over, they need secondary scoring. But there's a lot of good teams in the East, you know, so. Uh, it's going to be, you know, they're going to be right there with them, but it, to me, they're not the top dog. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get this off to production. It's going to be at risk of being the most awkward cut, edit, paste in the history of podcast radio, but uh, we're at a 14-pick draft preview, and we're looking at an hour and 36 minutes, so... Uh, the sooner we get this up and, and into production, the sooner we can get it out for everybody so they have something to do for the next week, listening to Hockey Talk instead of uh, LeBron James rehash from uh, the network. Um, so Chris was a great guest. We're going to use the second half of our conversation with him in, a, in another podcast here. We're going to get that produced and out for production also. But in the interest of time constraints, we do want to get the draft preview part of it off and running. Um, the rest of the conversation is really pretty interesting. We get into some uh, New York Rangers talk. We get into a little bit more Buffalo Sabres and Los Angeles Kings talk. And some other teams as we look forward to going into the offseason, what their, what their needs may be going forward from our perspectives. So we're gonna we're gonna cut this. We're gonna get rid of it, and we're gonna get it out so you you guys and Chris's readers and listeners can get a, get a handle on it. Thank you for listening so much. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, Chris has been a great guest, and we will have the rest of the conversation up pretty soon. We're gone.